Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sawadi karup, guten tak, jiao wee viva kat bang, half a day, jai janendra, salam, shalom, priviet, peace now, go vegan, peace how, go vegan, from the new right left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Kill Vivisection Prison Killitary Industrial Core Poor Nation in the cheese covered post constitutional bankster bankrupt corruptocracy mocracy criminocracy unchallenged by metea meteocrity food born in the NSA NRA CIA USA home of Uncle Sam Manella where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And here it is again, the 4th of July. Huh? Time, time for obnoxious individuals to make loud noises and uh, disturb the peace and disturb all the neighbors and freak out all the animals, the dogs, the cats, the birds. Daisy definitely freaks out from fireworks and uh, just because inconsiderate people feel that you know their uh, their loud banging noises need to be heard freedom of expression right in the post-constitutional era um, I don't know why don't they just walk around the neighborhood with a megaphone saying uh, I am your annoying neighbor I am here to bother you and your dog. I have that right. It's Independence Day. I'm independent. I am so independent that I will do exactly what everyone else does. I will throw animals' bodies on a grill and uh, shove, down them my, shove them down my kids' throats because I, I don't really want to declare my independence yet from the oncologist or the cardiologist no not ready not ready for that independence huh uh, so the world health organization has classified hot dogs and sausages as carcinogens they cause cancer in people um, and then when animal flesh or meat or hot dogs or sausages are grilled carcinogenic compounds called heterocyclic amines are formed or HCAs um, adding more cancer to what starts out as as cancerous so uh, another another plate of carcinogens please happy 4th of July so uh, oh I apologize for the delay in producing a new show uh, time flies when you're planning the biggest party in the history of the universe. I know that people are just sitting by their uh, self, uh, self-surveillance self devices waiting for the next episode of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. So uh, forgive me, forgive me as my time has been consumed organizing L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. And everybody's excited about it. And whether you know it or not, 
you're excited about it too. Um, it's a full day of reggae superstars, mind-blowing speakers, fantastic food, and fun for all. L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. The website is LAReggaeVeganFest.com. And what a lineup it is. Maccabee. Maccabee, you should check out his YouTube channels. His uh, Medical Mondays and Wami Eat Wednesdays. Maccabee is dedicated vegan. Dedicated vegan. So is Bushman. So Bushman's on the lineup also. I mean, it's just an amazing reggae lineup. Maccabee, Bushman, Glenn Washington, Sister Carol, General Ja Mikey, Lamore and the Mystic Band, The Simpkin Project. Wow. And Holy Cow uh, with Dreadlocks. Um, and thank you, uh, Victoria Hart, the great vegan artist who uh, gave us our logo, The Cow with Dreadlocks. Um, so you, you, you're going to have to be at this event. You know you're going to want to be there. And when we say fun for all, bring the 12 and under kids who get in for free for our kids show at 1030 in the morning with Jamaica Bob. It's Sunday, October 7th at Woodley Park in Van Nuys, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And speakers include Professor Gary Francione, whose commentary you will hear later on today's program. Um, along with Professor Francione, we have uh, Antenna Roba, M.D. from Ethiopia, President of the International Fund for Africa, our Mighty May, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine. There is a campaign on right now for uh, L.A. shelters to feed the dogs vegan food. So uh, I second that emotion. Um, Eric Weissman from Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food will be at L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, as will activist Dolly Vias Ahuja, who will um, be talking about Ahimsa. Anud Shah will be the moderator, and I will be, uh, I don't know, what will I be? I'll, I'll, I'll be an MC or something. I'll be something there. I'll be there. Um, I'm organizing the event. Uh, I, sh I should show up for it, right? Um, and, uh, oh, we'll even have amazing poetry with Abiosa, and he brought down the house at the World Vegan Summit and Expo, and so we will have our poetic moments uh, maybe the whole day will be a poetic moment. Um, and uh, so why not buy those early bird discount tickets right now and then spend your savings with our wonderful vendors who will be there. So, uh, yeah, it's one love all species. So one love means no animals on the menu. No meat, dairy, fish, eggs, honey. So uh, what is on the menu from our 100% vegan food vendors? Awesome Asian food from the Vegan Joint Restaurant with locations in L.A., West L.A., and Woodland Hills. Excellent Ethiopian food from Rahel's Restaurant in L.A. Incredible Indian food from Pooja's Indian Cuisine. And magnificent Mexican food from Flacco's, uh, Flacco's restaurant in Berkeley. Yes, Antonio is coming all the way from Berkeley to L.A. for L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. And um, so please don't complain if you have to spend uh, 15 minutes on the 405. Um, 
15 minutes of course meaning a quarter of a mile uh, distance usually um, oh and uh, coming all the way from Englewood uh, we will have um, colossal Cuban food from Ekeliqua, uh, uh, Ekeliqua Vegan Cuban Cafe. And we will have awesome American comfort food from Southern Fried Vegan. So uh, those are just uh, some of our uh, early food vendors getting in on the action and... Uh, I'm telling you, get your early bird discount ticket now. All of this for just $40, parking included. And as I mentioned, kids 12 and under are free. You can uh, buy tickets, sign up uh, to be a sponsor, vendor, or volunteer at LAReggaeVeganFest.com. Um, and uh, so uh, this being a vegan event, we will... Uh, limit it uh, when we're uh, talking about perhaps um, organizations or groups. Uh, uh, we're going to limit it to those whose central focus is vegan education or vegan activism. So, and uh, also uh, rescue groups and sanctuaries, um, animal adoption. Um, I definitely don't want to do all of this work although it is a labor of love, uh, of course, to lead people to what is being sold to us as animal activism, uh, which to me uh, is animal betrayal in disguise. Uh, I just don't feel that a vegan event should be promoting the bogus uh, marketing ploys that may as well be concocted by the meat, dairy, fish, and egg industries because they certainly seem to um, be of benefit to them. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't want people coming to this great vegan event. Uh, and and this event, to be to be totally honest, it's primarily motivated by concern for animals, you know, and then, of course, you know, of course, uh, uh, we're concerned about human health and the environment, but uh, uh, the uh, basic concern, the reason uh, that I'm uh, putting all the effort into organizing this event is for the animals, and uh, we don't want to give the impression that uh, supporting cage-free or free-range or pasture-raised or grass-fed or or clean meat, you know, lab meat or reducitarianism or enriched cages or humane slaughter um, or uh, or this prevent cruelty campaign, this scam in California, uh, the five freedoms, uh, uh, the, the prevent uh, cruel, uh, cruelty campaign, I guess now has a, has a number, Proposition 12. We'll We'll discuss that in a moment. But um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to give the impression that we support any of what I just mentioned, uh-uh, even though uh, they're often being sold to us as victories for animals. Can you believe it? Cage-free egg production is a victory for animals when every male chick born is ground alive or suffocated immediately. Every female is uh, tortured, mutilated, harshly imprisoned, and then murdered. And we call that a victory. Well, not not here at Go Vegan Radio. Uh, Go Vegan Radio, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. You can support us. There's a donate button at goveganradio.com. 
Uh, and also, uh, those, of course, would not be considered victories at L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, a vegan event. Huh? Um, so with the underlying theme, of course, not eating, not wearing, not using animals for any reason. Um, and uh, believe it or not, a group uh, that uh, requested a booth uh, at the event is <laughs> Direct Action Everywhere. Ah. I don't know. Uh, direct action everywhere. Um, I'm so highly critical of direct action everywhere, which I believe to be a tool of uh, the industries of animal exploitation. Uh, prove, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Um, last stunt that I saw by direct action everywhere, one of its activists was lying in a pile of poop uh, in front of a San Francisco Trader Joe's saying that Trader Joe's labels its eggs natural even though the chickens laying them are forced to live in their own excrement. So um, the message from DXE isn't uh, don't, don't eat eggs at all. Um, they, DXE was asking its followers to call Trader Joe's to stop labeling its eggs as natural. So, uh, so just uh, take out that magic marker, Trader Joe's, and cross out the word uh, natural, and, and, and we have a victory. We have an animal rights victory. The, the hens can continue to live in their own excrement. It's just, well, we won't call the eggs natural anymore. Huh? And what is more natural than uh, excrement? Huh? Um, so actually, it is natural. It, it's natural for... Um, animals who are raised for food or eggs or dairy uh, to be you know, in piles of excrement. That's the way it is. Uh, that's where we get E. coli on our meat. Huh? So very strange, very strange. But uh, I find DXE to be the master of not animal activism, but distractivism getting a lot of attention while asking people to do absolutely nothing of significance. Uh, just going out there with vague slogans until every animal is free uh, without telling us how to free all the animals. Um, yeah, you know, so I don't know. I, I do. I, I have my suspicions that Direct Action Everywhere, DXE, represents industry il infiltration of uh, what is being sold to us as an animal rights movement. So slick is DXE that uh, even Glenn Greenwald and Democracy Now! are deceived, hoodwinked. Did you see the coverage on Democracy Now! with Glenn Greenwald? Um, I guess he's, uh, he was embedded, embedded with DXE at uh, a demonstration and it's uh, very, very dangerous for journalists to be embedded. We saw that with the war in Iraq, where, uh, well, I don't know if that you can call these people journalists at ABCIA and CIABS and uh, NBCIA, MSNBCIA. Um, but Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, Greenwald is uh, up there, perhaps, perhaps my favorite uh, journalist. But even he... Uh, can be hoodwinked by the antics of direct action everywhere. And uh, so, let me see if you can, let's see if you can hear this and we can uh, 
have a listen to uh, the coverage from uh, Democracy Now. Uh, we're going to move on to a new issue, Juan. We, uh, yes, because I want to shift gears and tor- turn to the topic of the increasing number of animal welfare activists facing criminal charges for filming and exposing abuse on industrial farms through direct action and social media. Uh, on Tuesday, hundreds of people with the group Direct Action Everywhere marched to an industrial shed housing chickens in Petaluma, California. Uh, the shed is owned by Sunrise Farms, which supplies cage-free eggs to Amazon and Whole Foods. What happened next unfolded on Facebook Live, narrated at first by the group's co-founder, Wayne Shung. This is an edited recap. Let me show you a photo of what's happening inside this farm. Our activists were in this farm as recently as a couple days ago. And you see animals with huge sores in the hands going blind. Animals collapse on the ground and feces rotting to death. And this is standard practice. And people don't realize this is a farm that supplies Whole Foods and Amazon. Amazon is the largest retail in the world. They're shipping animal cruelty to 300 million households across the world. It is one-click cruelty. And it's time for this one-click cruelty to stop. And the only way to make it stop, when you've gone to the government, you've gone to law enforcement, you've gone to the corporations and CEOs. And... So uh, the only way to make this animal cruelty stop, Wayne Shun, who's been a guest on this uh, program a number of times. So uh, we've, he says we've gone to the government and we've gone to the corporations. Um, what are they supposed to do? Uh, cruelty is inherent in the production of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no getting around it, uh, except for the one thing that we really have to do is go vegan. And, well, let's see, what is Wayne telling us? Because uh, I think he's about to tell us. Isn't he about to tell us to go vegan? Like the, the one thing to do? Let, let's go back to this. Cruelty. And it's time for this one-click cruelty to stop. And the only way to make it stop, when you've gone to the government, you've gone to law enforcement, You've gone to the corporations and CEOs and politicians time and time again. The only way to make this act, this violence go vegan, stop, go vegan, go vegan. is for people to take direct action. Oh, Wayne had the opportunity to, to, to tell us the only way to make it stop. And instead, his uh, distractivism tells us we, we have to take direct action. So uh, there is no more direct action than going vegan, than eliminating the demand uh, for the animals' bodies and their secretions and excretions. That's the only way. Yet this group, this uh, distractivist group, DXE, its leader is saying the only thing we can do after going to law enforcement, uh, going to the government, going to corporations. And, and what are they supposed to do? It's their business. It's, animals are commodities to them. They're, they're, they're things. They're, they're profit. What, what are they supposed to do? Um, it's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go vegan. But Wayne Shun says that the only thing that we can do is direct action. Now, um, how are we all going to... Uh, how do we get nine billion chickens? How does direct action direct action save nine billion chickens? Um, do we have uh, three billion uh, DXE activists who can each rescue three uh, three? Is it the yeah three uh, three three uh, 
chickens a year, right? That's a, we, we need three. We need three billion activists now to take direct action and rescue three chickens per year. Or uh, if we just had nine billion. Uh, so, so we'll wait till the population increases, right? We're only at seven billion now, but when when the uh, human population is up to nine billion, then we can all participate and take direct action. Each of us, all we have to do is save one chicken. Okay, all right, we're we're, we're getting the real uh, poop here. Wait, 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 I'm Julianne Perry. I'm here with Direct Action Everywhere. Sir, sir, sir. Sir, sir, sir. Out of the way, out of the way. Sir, we do have the right. Can we move people off, the off the concrete? Off the concrete. Off the concrete. We do have a right. Do you want me to show you the statue? It doesn't matter. I, I'd like to have the authorities. We're going to have to ask again. Come and talk to me. We can't hold the world. I need your authorities. You don't get this animal stuff, right? It was collapsed in our house. This was taken from this barn. There's a GPS. I'll tell you what. If you go around, I'll show you. Come in and show me. Any person who impounds or causes to impound any domestic I mean, no disrespect to you, but guys, shall supply during such We have activists putting on biosecurity here, activists behind them holding flowers. There are hundreds of activists here today demanding to know what happens inside of corporate farms, what happens to chickens who are held in these farms. When you buy cage-free organic eggs, you don't have a right of anything. We do. Do you want to read this stuff? You do not have a right. So I've been cleared to enter, excuse me, and we need to show you what is happening. Okay, folks, we are inside. We I was able to duck under someone. Someone show me what's happening. They have someone over there. Show me what's happening. So over here they have someone. Walk with me. Walk with me. Go. We have the live stream inside. I was able to duck underneath. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. It's bad. Oh my God. Look at all these. There's so many that are out there. Those birds are going to die because they have no access to water. Oh my God. We are live inside of a factory farm in California. That's an excerpt of a live stream video of hundreds of activists with direct action everywhere protesting Tuesday at an industrial shed housing chickens for Sunrise Farms in Petaluma, California. Activists say they removed 37 chickens and took them to get veterinary care. Uh, police arrested 39 people for trespassing. This comes as Utah officials have filed felony burglary and rioting charges against five members of the group, including co-founder Wayne Shung, accusing them of removing a pair of piglets from a Smithfield Foods hog farm during a direct action in Utah last year. A warrant for their arrest filed Monday said they had, quote, engaged in a pattern of unlawful activity and committed the offenses of burglary and theft targeting animal enterprises located in Utah and other states, unquote. The activists could face 60 years in prison. For more... So, so the activists uh, could face 60 years in prison. So the people who care most about animals, who, who really want to do something for them, who should be motivated to vegan activism and vegan education to really do something for the animals, are uh, part of this distractivism. Um, and then l look at what they have to face. They have to face um, going to court, lawyers charges they're facing 60 years in prison is that right for a group to 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 lead its activists well it it, it takes them look look again 
I, I don't see how DXE is is not part of the um, of the industries of animal exploitation. Uh, first of all, it doesn't tell you the real solution, uh, which is going vegan, and then it it takes the most committed activists and puts them on on the road to jail, uh, which uh, just just doesn't seem right. So we're uh, we're uh, listening to the coverage that was on uh, Democracy Now. Glenn Greenwald seems to think that uh, this group, uh, Direct Action Everywhere, um, is is an animal adv- advocacy group. Um, when when all it does is uh, result, uh, it, it's just so detrimental to animals. And let's continue with the coverage here. Coverage continuing with Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Glenn Greenwald, who's long fought secrecy and is now investigating animal cruelty. He spoke this weekend at the Animal Liberation Conference in Berkeley, California, and just published a new report headlined Bread to Suffer inside the barbaric U.S. industry of dog experimentation, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But, Glenn, talk about this video we've just watched. So I was in uh, San Francisco in the Bay Area, as you mentioned, just this weekend. I just got back to Brazil yesterday, where I interviewed a lot of those very activists that you just showed on 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 the film. And and I think what's really important to, to note here is that for a long time, the issue of uh, animal rights was kind of perceived, even by the left, to be this sort of fringe or isolated issue, kind of this boutique concern that wasn't related to other uh, fights for for social justice or for um, political reform. And in fact, they're extremely closely related. Well, we're not going to hear how um, it's uh, extremely closely related. Um, But if Glenn Greenwald were really to delve into the story of uh, uh, animal agriculture and veganism, um, he would uh, realize that... uh, the environmental impact that animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change, responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions. Um, animal agriculture, eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs is, um, is just uh, entirely in, um, destructive to the environment, not just if we're considering uh, climate change, but uh, deforestation, uh, water usage, water pollution, um, erosion, uh, you you name it. It's uh, but but we don't hear that. We don't hear that from DXE. We hear until every animal is free, and now we're, we're hearing Glenn Greenwald hinting that uh, animal activism could be related to other issues, and certainly the environment. How about world hunger? How about disease? Um, there's your there's your health care plan for America. Go vegan. Um, War, peace, violence, you name it, poverty, um, slavery, um, all of that covered on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, uh, all of those connections made, but, um, you know, we're hinting at it here. Uh, if we weren't wasting so much time with DXE's distractivism, perhaps we could get into those issues. So no matter what your views are, uh, are on the morality of slaughtering animals for food... Uh- well, I guess speciesism um, is speaking here right now. Um, you know, it's pretty pervasive in society. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, uh, speciesist, uh, democracy now. So, 
so you hear uh, him saying, "No, you know, no matter what your, uh, no matter what, what was it? No matter what your position on." Here, let's hear it again. Kind of this boutique concern that wasn't related to other uh, fights for for social justice or for um, political reform, and in fact, they're extremely closely related. So no matter what your views are uh, are on the morality of slaughtering animals for food. So no matter what your views are on slaughtering animals for food, um, well, that's a speciesist attitude, isn't it? I mean, that's that's accepting uh, the murder of the innocent. Uh, you know, no, no matter no matter what your thoughts are on um, killing Jews in, in the Holocaust, um, for um, lampshades or soap, um, no, no matter what your you know view is on killing um, innocent death row uh, inmates um, who committed no crime, no matter you know so the the killing is uh, totally acceptable, right? It goes without saying. No matter what your views are on killing the innocent. Um, I think that everybody should be able to agree that industrial systematic torture of animals on their way to being slaughtered for food is morally unacceptable. And it rem I just don't understand why the killing isn't morally unacceptable too. You know, it's like no matter no matter what your feelings are on uh, killing Jews in concentration camps for uh, lampshades and soap. Um, Obviously, it's immoral. It, it it would be better if there were, um, you know, lavender uh, la lavender uh, fragrances. Uh, you know, there were there were uh, uh, nice paintings on the wall. Uh, Reminds me a lot of the work that I I do on war um, in American wars around the world. The reason why the U.S. population is willing to tolerate constant, continual, repeated killing by their own government of people. And, and Glenn, what about uh, animal agriculture and war? What about um, wars being fought over resources, uh, food, oil, water, land? What's the connection between war and eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs? Uh, people in foreign countries is because they never have to see the results of the policies that they turn away from because the dead are never shown or rarely reported on. And this is the same for the agricultural industry and factory farms in the U.S. that keep these animals in the most horrific and unconscionable conditions where they suffer greatly. Everybody with pets um, or who have interacted with animals know that animals have emotional complexity, the capacity for great suffering. Um, they keep them in, in conditions that um, it's just horrific to look at, and that's why people want to turn away. And so what these activists are doing, the only thing they're doing is really journalism. They're the well, they're not really doing journalism because they are uh, providing um, a position that uh, doesn't solve the problem. It just perpetuates the problem. Um, you know, if they if they uh, if they if they're showing all of this misery and then saying, well, you know, we 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 tried asking uh, the government and law enforcement and the corporations, and um, so the only thing to do is uh, direct action. Uh, then everybody is being misled by this journalism. This this journalism is like the Russia hoax. 
They're going and filming inside of these facilities um, in order to make the world see what actually goes on inside of them. And that's why they're being prosecuted and that's why they're being arrested. Occasionally, as a symbol, they'll take a dying animal who was going to die before it makes its way to the slaughterhouse anyway and therefore has no commercial value. And they rescue them, they bring them to a veterinarian, they care for them, they bring them to a shelter so that they can live lives, they personalize it to show. So he's telling us that occasionally um, it's a symbolic gesture that they, uh, they, they rescue an animal um, who has no commercial value. Again, uh, we can only look at this uh, in, in speciesist terms. They're things, they have no commercial value, so obviously they're really not not really committing a harmful crime by, by, by taking them uh, symbolically. Um, symbolically, uh, it's a fundraising ploy. Symbolically, you take, uh, take, take one chicken and, um, you know, then say uh, donate to a direct action everywhere for uh, more uh, distractivism, you know, more div diverting the funds away. Look, look at all the time, energy, money diverted away from the actual activism for animals, the cause of going vegan. The, the, the nature of, of animal suffering. They don't ever take anything of commercial value with their real, their real crime. They don't ever take anything of commercial value. Anything. They are things. They're things. Is, is that they're shining a light on what these extremely powerful and profitable corporations are doing. And that's why these corporations, which control the government and control law enforcement, are prosecuting them. They're punishing them in response to the journalism that they're doing to chill and deter people from shining a light on what it is that these that really goes on inside of American industrial farms and the horrific torture and suffering that animals endure in, in, in our name. And Glenn, the issue of, uh, for instance, in this particular case, uh, these were uh, these were uh, chickens that were being uh, bred for Amazon and Whole Foods. The the total false advertising of these companies, in terms of uh, you're reading about cage free uh, cage free hens, that uh, the reality is quite different. So it's not only the barbarism of the way the the animals are being treated, but the complete fraud in the advertising of these companies. Well, the complete fraud of cage-free eggs. And yet, Direct Action Everywhere is a huge supporter of um, the Humane Society of the United States, whose main, <laughs> whose main campaign uh, is cage-free eggs. I mean, this is totally ridiculous. And then they're talking about the fraud and the deception here. Well, if you listen to Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, episode 615, featuring an interview with Wayne Shun and a discussion uh, with Gary Francione and Wayne Shun, uh, Wayne uh, is talking about his support for the Humane Society of the United States and its practice of utilizing strategic communications. And if you listen to that program, you understand that um, another uh, a nice term for lying is strategic communications. No, exactly, Juan. That's such an important point, um, because there have been, thanks to the heroic work of animal rights activists, increasing recognition of how horrifically animals are treated as part of animal agriculture. And so a lot of consumers are 
um, receptive to appeals by corporations like Whole Foods and Amazon that there's ethical eating choices, that you can buy organic foods where the animals are treated better. Um, and the reality is much, much different. Um, just last month, we reported on a turkey farm in Utah um, that the same activists with Direct Action Everywhere were able to film. And the, the, the abuse of these turkeys and the disease and the injuries in which they were suffering was absolutely horrific and completely at odds with the bucolic, organic branding that this company, which is now a supplier of Whole Foods, um, advertises to people and convinces people to buy their products on the basis of. And that's the same of this chicken farm. You saw some of the, the hideous images. Um, it is absolutely corporate deceit and corporate fraud. And the problem is, is that both at the federal level and at the state level, agricultural agriculture executives are in charge of the regulatory bodies and therefore view even the minimal laws governing animal welfare as a joke. And so even when companies radically and purposely violate the minimum welfare laws, they barely get fined. A lot of times they just get warned, even for the most egregious abuses. And that's what these activists are saying. They're saying there are laws in place to prevent animal abuse, and the government is purposely abdicating its role in enforcing the law, leaving activists with no choice but to do it themselves because nobody else is doing it. Wow. So, there are laws in place. There are laws in place to prevent animal abuse, Direct Action Everywhere tells us. And uh, since uh, those laws are not being enforced... I guess we have to take direct action. But I would say, what are those laws, direct action everywhere, uh, Wayne Shun? You are telling me that there are laws in place to prevent animal abuse? What laws? The, the Animal Welfare Act, where you get a bullet in the head or uh, electric prods? I mean, what laws? Glenn Greenwald, the, the great reporter whom I respect so much, please tell me what laws are in place to prevent animal abuse. There are none. So we get corporate uh, deception from the corporate animal rights movement, don't we? Um, you know, they're, they're talking about corporate deception. Well, what laws are in place? There are none. It's just so. This is what uh, DXE wants us to do. They want, uh, you know, they want you to waste your time on pursuing the enforcement of laws that don't exist, and it's it's absurd. It's absurd. This is not activism. This is distractivism. And what about that corporate uh, organization so highly praised by Wayne Shun? The um, the Humane Society of the United States, uh, which he holds in such high regard. What about that? Well, um, that scam, the Humane Society of the United States, so beloved by uh, DXE, the, uh, you know, the, the racketeers, uh, the fraud that is HSUS, um, had to uh, appear at a hearing in California uh, regarding in, in front of the state legislature regarding, you know, they, they were going around with this prevent cruelty scam recently and collecting signatures. So I just got this released 
this was just released from the Humane Farming Association, and it's a uh, it's a video. Well, I guess you'll hear audio from this um, this hearing at the California Legislature. Uh, first, with the Humane Society of the United States talking, uh, followed by uh, Bradley Miller of uh, the Humane Farming Association, which opposes um, what is now uh, called Proposition 12. So all these signatures were gathered for what they, uh, what they called uh, Prevent Cruelty, um, which is, you know, so deceptive in itself. But I guess, you know, I, I, I guess when, when we do the lying, it's good, right? When, when we're the deceptive ones, that's good. Uh, our corporate lying is better than the other corporate lying, isn't it? So let's let's just listen a little bit to what went on at this uh, hearing at the California Legislature. On June 19, 2018, the California State Legislature held a hearing on a controversial ballot initiative written by the Humane Society of the United States and the United Egg Producers. This measure is commonly referred to as the Rotten Egg Initiative. HSUS representatives used their allotted time to read prepared statements that carefully avoided mentioning any specifics about the initiative. Then they were asked a few questions from legislators. Once off script, HSUS's unwillingness to respond honestly to legislative inquiry was glaringly apparent. It started with the most obvious question. Why did HSUS fail to specify cage-free 10 years ago in the original Prop 2? The following double talk provides the non-answer to that question, along with similarly evasive responses to other direct questions. You wrote, we had Proposition 2 and you wanted cage-free housing. Um, why did you not write Prop 2 to require cage-free housing then? Sure, um, Assembly Member uh, Kurt Onetto, um, on behalf of the coalition in support of uh, the initiative, um, you know, this is an incremental process. Um, the uh, Prop 2 was, one of the, I think, the first in the nation of its kind, um, and so it, and it's, it's sort of incremental in terms of um, phasing in, not trying to be too drastic in terms of the producer's costs. Um, so it's a step-by-step approach, um, uh, makes it easier both for the, for the producers to, to handle, and in addition to sort of the market to adjust. So uh, HSUS is concerned about the uh, egg producers. Well, of course, it's part of the egg industry. I mean, if people don't realize that HSUS is... Is I mean, it's directly, it's a member of an international livestock federation dedicated to uh, uh, increasing so-called uh, livestock products by 70% by uh, 2050. Um, HSUS has its uh, state agriculture councils made up. I mean, it was run by a pig farmer, vice president pig farmer, Joe Maxwell. I mean, there's just no, there's really no separating HSUS from the meat, dairy, uh, fish, and egg industries. Um uh, anybody could see it except, uh, you know, Wayne Shun of DXE. But uh, so here's here we are at a hearing in California and uh, the so-called animal protection group, HSUS, is concerned about the cost for the egg producers. Right. You, you would almost think that uh, HSUS is, is a partner uh, with the egg producers, with the egg industry as well. Obviously, incrementalism has absolutely nothing to do with the simple question that was asked. HSUS's campaign attorney does, however, confirm that the current initiative does nothing for California's caged hens other than to codify the industry's current guidelines. 
this measure, and at least for um, uh, hand confinement, um, the, the ultimate, the end, end result is it, it adopts the industry standard um, uh, as, as the, uh, the final uh, uh, sizing requirements for, for poultry cages. So it's whatever is the, in the in industry's um, sort of best practice. That's Can you believe what you are hearing? Did you gather signatures for this campaign so that uh, we can adopt egg industry standards and make them the law? Wow. Were you duped? Who isn't duped? These, these people are the super duper dupers. Incredible, huh? So we had this whole initiative, Prevent Cruelty California, because we wanted to adopt the egg industry standards, those written by United Egg Producers, those that would make the egg industry profitable. That's what the initiative requires. So it's, it, it moves over to what, what the poultry industry has determined to be the, the most appropriate uh, housing standards. That's in the initiative. That's what we want. The poultry industry, what it it's has the, determined. The 2017 um, United Egg Producers Animal Husbandry, Husbandry Guidelines. Here we see the two faces of HSUS on full display. When speaking to donors and the public at large, HSUS claims this initiative will protect egg-laying hens and enact, in their words, the strongest farm animal protection law in the world. But in this legislative hearing, which state law requires, HSUS openly acknowledges that its hen confinement standards are literally identical to the pre-existing standards of the United Egg Producers. You, you said you have a plan to, to phase in, so what is your ultimate goal? We started with because you with, could have wrote this into Prop Two, and you didn't because you wanted to move incrementally. So. Senator Mathis, maybe I can um, uh, uh, elaborate on that. And, and I think in 2008 there was much more disagreement between animal welfare groups and, and agriculture industry in terms of the proper or you know uh, the the uh, confinement standards for for animals. We've moved to a point now where in the initiative we adopt the United Egg Producers Animal Husbandry Guidelines. So I think we've reached a point in that sort of, in this phase in the process, there's actually agreement between animal welfare groups and producers um, of what the proper standards are. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a great development, frankly. Wow, is that amazing? Is, I mean, that's amazing. So, um, <laughs> I, I don't know, I've, I've, I've been telling you this for years, what a scam HSUS is, it's just scandalous. And now we find out in a hearing in California that uh, uh, animal advocates and uh, now agree with the industries as what those standards should be. Isn't that great? Animal advocates have come around to agree with United Egg Producers that chickens should only have one square foot of space. Isn't that great? You're a great animal activist, right? Aren't you? Aren't you thrilled that we, we you know, we, we are one. We are one with United Egg Producers. There is no such development. If the position of animal organizations were the same as the egg industries, this hearing would never have occurred. There is no credible animal organization anywhere that accepts the continued use of cages in California, the allotment of only one square foot of space per hen, and the guidelines of the United Egg Producers. HSUS speaks only for itself. How much extra money did your organizations raise in 2008, and are you anticipating raising doing it again 10 years later? I, I don't have those numbers, how much was raised. This HSUS panel may or may not have the numbers Assemblymember Levine requested, 
but immediately after Proposition 2's passage, HSUS's assertion that it successfully banned battery cages in California became the group's most cherished fundraising and promotional claim. How many of the signatures were paid versus unpaid? So we, um, I don't have the exact breakdown. This HSUS panel does have that exact breakdown. And how much money did you guys spend on collecting signatures? Uh, that is all publicly reported at the Secretary of State's website. That information can be found there. So I got to Google it, or are you going to give me the answer? No, no, the California Secretary of State has that information on his webpage. Yeah, it's, I, I can ask Siri right now, but I'm asking you. Oh, I, I don't have the number. Following the HSUS and egg industry testimony was Bradley Miller on behalf of Californians Against Cruelty, Cages and Fraud, and the Vote No campaign. Mr. Miller is president of the Humane Farming Association and has been at the forefront of farm animal protection campaigns for over 30 years. I'd like to point out that there are really closer to three sides of this issue. We could say there's two sides, but there's actually three sides. There's the HSUS position that believes that what they said about Proposition 2 should be completely ignored that California should not be cage-free in the year 2015, but rather we should explicitly keep cages legal in this state for a certain number of additional years. HSUS believes that the guidelines of United Egg Producers should be inserted into California state law. The egg industry agrees with them on those primary points. We disagree with both the egg industry and HSUS on those points. In their presentation, they meticulously avoided saying anything specifically, specifically about the content of the initiative that they would like to create as state law. They were asked very direct questions, and I'm not going from prepared statements here. I'm going to try and fill in some of the gaps that they deliberately left open. Uh, Senator, you asked, um, in no particular order, you asked for, uh, was this truly a volunteer-based effort? Um, if you look at their rhetoric, this was the greatest volunteer effort that they surpassed all their expectations. Throughout their campaign, there were volunteers leaving in droves as they found out what this, the content of this measure did. They themselves admitted all along the line that they were well behind in their signature gathering campaign, that they had intended to do this through volunteers. To the best of our ability, the numbers that we have, based on the numbers published by the proponents themselves, it appears that there were, as they said, they did say one thing correctly, that there were about 664,000 names gathered. Apparently, only 164, approximately, thousand were gathered by volunteers. The remainder were from paid signature gatherers, the vast majority of which were paying a bounty per signature. So what troubles us is not simply that they were paying for the signatures, is that they were misleading people while they were gathering those signatures. This is uh, one of their key pieces of campaign material right here. And as you can see, it says, vote yes to prevent cruelty in California. Prevent cruelty in California. And here you could see a picture of a veal crate and a calf in a veal crate. You could see a picture of a pig in a gestation crate. You can see the, uh, the really compelling photos 
that just so happened to be taken out of state many years ago were the same images that they used while promoting Proposition 2. And none of these practices exist in our state. There weren't veal crates in California at the time of Prop 2. There are no gestation crates in California now and haven't been for years, but they have gotten people to sign that petition based on the claim that they will be preventing these practices in California. They were given a direct question as to why Proposition 2, if, if it was to ban cages, why didn't it say this bans cages? And that's the key question, and that's why we're here today. It's not like, well, way back in 2008, oh, in those days we didn't know that if you want to ban cages, you have to say in the text of the legislation, cages. We knew in 2008, if you want to give a hen 216 square inches or more of cage space or living space, that you put that into the legislation, you put that into the initiative. They made the conscious choice not to do that. They made the conscious choice of putting in very vague language. So they, depending on what audience they were selling this to, they could craft their argument accordingly. You don't want cages? Well, this doesn't say cages. You want to ban cages? Well, this is a de facto ban on cages. California voters went to the polls in 2008 and overwhelmingly voted for something that they were told by both sides of the issue by HSUS and by the industry itself, that if this measure passes, cages would be banned by 2015 and they would be getting no less than 200 square inches per hen. Now HSUS has come here today to talk about the egg industry's disingenuous misinterpretation of Proposition 2. We are one of the most fervent adversaries of the egg industry. Unlike HSUS, we have not endorsed this gentleman's facility. We did not hold this gentleman's facility up as a model for the nation like HSUS did. Now they're not doing that today because they're flip-flopping back and forth depending on the circumstances. But we've been consistent in saying that it's the voter intent that matters here. And there's no debate that the voter intent was that there to be a deadline at 2015. The disingenuous misinterpretation, reinterpretation, is for the sponsors of Prop 2 to not own up to their mistake. Uh, Assemblyman Levine asked, why can't we settle this legislatively? The answer is, they're not, the difference isn't simply that they want to keep them in cages 24 months longer than HSUS wants to keep them in cages. It's not simply that they want them in cages for nine years after Proposition 2 was supposed to go into effect, and HSU wants them in cages for seven years after that. With the legislation, it becomes clear. If, if they had been correct about what Proposition 2 said, we would not be here today. And if they were telling the truth about their present rotten initiative, we would be among the first to support it. We're opposed to it because we believe that the voters have already spoken, Californians have already folks spoken, and we don't believe that California's ballot measure system 
should be exploited by animal-themed corporations from the East Coast that every several years or so fly into California and tell Californians how we should regulate farm animals not in our state, only in our state, but in other states. We basically have people from Maryland flying to California to tell Californias, Californians that they should regulate Iowa. That's what's going on here. And the reason why they are not on board with the AB 3021, which we openly oppose, we're opposed to it. We think it should be cage-free now. We think that one square foot per hen is insanely cruel. But the reason why they aren't doing it is because the legislation is clear. The legislation, what you see is what you get. It says, here's cages, they're legal until this date, here's much, how much space you're gonna get. The reason why HSUS feels uncomfortable on endorsing that, even though they're endorsing the exact same policy, the exact same cage size in the initiative, is that in the initiative, it's buried in a bunch of other garbage. So they don't have to admit that Prop 2 failed. They can act, this gentleman here said, oh, the reason why we didn't uh, say cage-free explicitly in Prop 2, only every single piece of propaganda said it. The reason why we didn't say it is because we wanted to phase it in. Th that is complete double talk. That's complete double talk. Proposition two was a phase in. Proposition two in 2008 said, we're gonna give the egg industry six years to provide more cage space and eventually in the year 2015 be cage free. That is a phase in. That is a phase in that many animal organizations were not comfortable with. They thought six years was too long. We thought six years was too long. However, when six years came along, lo and behold, the hens are still in cages. HSUS was told prior to submitting their, bad, their, um, their ballot measure language that exactly this was going to take place. But they spent the last 10 years raising money and making heroes out of their now disgraced former CEO who is not here to answer the, the, the real questions that Californians have about the fraud that is taking place here. He's no longer in the picture. So we've got the, the new regime coming in trying to pick up the pieces. The other thing uh, that I want to touch on is the legislative analyst. When you're looking at the cost, they haven't yet factored in the cost of defending this thing in court. The state of California has already spent a truckload of money uh, defending the laws that are on the books. This is a ham-fisted overreach that is already causing tremendous blowback, both in Congress and in the courts. And in all likelihood, None of these provisions, for those concerned about the, the rising cost of pork, don't worry, because ultimately this is going to be rendered null and void, but it's going to come off after a lot of costs. 
It's going to come after many millions of tax dollars. It's going to come after uh, dollars from the industry that could have been used to improve conditions. It's going to come from money from the humane community that could be using that money to actually help animals. The other argument against the legislation that HSUS will say is that, well, the legislation doesn't do anything to protect those poor calves in crates who can't turn around. If HSUS cared about calves in crates who can't turn around, they need no, go no further than Southern California. We have uh, calf farms in California where calves are tethered in crates very similar to veal crates where they are unable to turn around. HSUS has explicitly said no, they've refused to do anything about California animals. Instead, they're saying, we're going to let the calves in California stay in crates, but we want to pass an initiative that's going to tell Pennsylvania veal producers that you shouldn't keep them in crates. They're okay here for California, but we're going to regulate you in Wisconsin. And that's absurd. That's absolutely absurd. It's disingenuous. They know that it isn't going to fly. And the problem here is not simply that it's going to be rendered null and void. The problem is the damage that it's going to have on a wide array of other consumer, animal, and environmental protection laws. Because when the courts and Congress come back and gut this thing, they're not going to use a scalpel. They're going to use a cannon. And that cannon is going to destroy a lot of legislation that all of us have worked on over the years. It's going to destroy legislation that, frankly, is protecting the California egg producers in some way, in, in many ways. All of that's going to be rendered null and void because they are so concerned with loading this up with distractions. This is a publicity stunt in search of a lawsuit. And for them, they're looking for the quick, immediate gratification. They feel like anything that has the word farm animal and protect, if it has those words and you put it on the ballot, it's going to pass. And perhaps they're right. But this time around, it's going to face major opposition. I don't see the major opposition coming from Wisconsin pork producers or, or veal producers. It's the Humane Farming Association. It's Friends of Animals. It's People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. It's Showing Animals Respect and Kindness. It's Action for Animals. It's the vast majority of rank-and-file animal advocates that are appalled by this rotten egg initiative. And that's why we are waging this no campaign. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Miller. Okay, again, that was audio, uh, video, but... You heard the audio provided by the Humane Farming Association, um, and uh, Bradley Miller is uh, its leader, and he spoke at the California legislature after the gobbledygook we got from the lawyers from the Humane Society of the United States, the organization so um, admired by Direct Action Everywhere and Wayne Shun, um, the, the organization that once cage-free eggs, the very uh, conditions that DXE was just protesting on, uh, you know, on the coverage we had here from Democracy Now! And of course, uh, cage-free is no answer. Um, of course, I disagree with Bradley Miller. If the goal is cage-free, 
um, well, n- not not for me, not for us. The goal is vegan and no demand. We have to uh, end the demand for the flesh of animals, their eggs, the dairy. Um, and so, uh, well, there, there you have it. Uh, and and the scam goes round and round in circles, doesn't it? Um, well, okay. So this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and you can support us with a tax-deductible donation. There is a donate button at goveganradio.com. Um, I also invite you to listen to our 24-7 music station, probably will be your most favorite music station ever in your life. All you have to do is go to Radio Bobby, Radio B-O-B-B-Y.com. You've never heard anything like it. And uh, then I remind you of the most fantastic event ever, the amazingly awesome L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. Um, go to LAReggaeVeganFest.com for all the information. Check out the great artists there and... Uh, you know, everything going on that day, including uh, mind-blowing speakers, including Professor Gary Francione, who is coming up next here on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. On Facebook, we are Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. On Twitter, at Go Vegan Radio. And I think we have uh, Facebook pages for the uh, Reggae Vegan Fest. And, you know, we just, you know, I, I can't keep up with all my pages. I have a YouTube page I never mention, you know, but there's a lot of good content on uh, youtube.com slash go vegan radio Okay, so we are being the show now, Gary Francione, on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. We haven't spoken for a while. Um, we, haven't. we haven't spoken for a while. I've been uh, preoccupied with lots of things, including but not limited to a trip to England and a conference that I put on there with... Um, with a, an organization in Britain called Catholic Concern for Animals, and um, the unit it was a it was a joint conference sponsored with um, with uh, Catholic Concern for Animals and the University of East Anglia, and I was the primary University of East Anglia contact on this, and it was um, all in all an interesting experience. One of the people who attended and spoke was Richard Ryder. And Richard Ryder is the guy who coined the expression uh, speciesism. It's not, it's not, the singer did not originate that. Richard Ryder did. And, um, and as, as I've said in the past, I thought I did, but. Uh, yes, I know, not, I know you so. did. I know you did. And maybe, you know, <laughs> look, maybe you did. Richard Ryder but, gets but, the but, it, but it's a great word to describe it. What, what would have be what, what would have been number two as a good word for it? No, exactly. This is, this is a good one. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, 
it's uh, it's an interesting. It was an interesting conference, and oh, Richard. So, so, how would he? Def- would you say he would define it then? Since he coined the word speciesism, what would he? What would his definition be? Do you think? Or well, I mean, he he actually gave a definition which more or less accorded with what I thought is meant by the expression, which is simply um, discriminating on the basis of species. Um, and you know where 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 the you know where the where the discrimination is is primarily based on species, and um, but what was interesting um, about his presentation was he was um, he disagrees with me um, as does the rest of the world, but he he disagrees with me because he thinks that uh, um, uh, legislation and you know, legislation and political efforts on behalf of animals have a great deal of value, and he disagrees with me because I not only do not think they have a great deal of value, I think they have no value, and I think they're counterproductive. Well, that is and a difference of disagrees. opinion, apparently. So uh... yes, that is that is that is a that is a marked difference of opinion. But but can can you can you make his argument here or, or tell us? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he he basically went through the history of you know the '60s and the '70s and the '80s and you know and how various things you know various campaigns got going. And my response was to say, well, yeah, but what have they amounted to? The campaigns are basically haven't really amounted to very much. If anything, um, and if, if anything, what they've done is they've given people the idea, the wrong idea, that these campaigns actually change things for animals. They don't. And um, and what was sort of interesting, he was talking more about single issue campaigns and not about welfare reform campaigns. He was talking mostly about single issue campaigns, and and sort of giving the history of the single issue campaigns in Britain. Primarily in Britain, I don't remember whether he mentioned anything in the states, but it was mostly Britain. Um, Campaigns the, like specifically for those tuning in, wanting to know. Yeah, yeah, you know the anti-fur campaign and the, you know the, the the uh, you know the 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 veal campaign and the you know various various campaigns focused on you know fox hunting campaign things like that, um, and and. Um, what was sort of interesting is that Richard was talking about a different time and a different attitude. I mean, in the 1970s and 80s, 70s in Britain, because really there was very little going on here in the 1980s. And um, But in the 1970s and 80s in Britain, there were a lot of single-issue campaigns, but they were campaigns that were primarily being promoted not exclusively but primarily being promoted by people who saw them as steps on the way to abolishing animal exploitation at least in some i mean there was there was a greater sense that that single issue campaigns were uh, about um they were strategies that were part of a general rights recognition program um, and single issue campaigns no longer. I mean, they stopped being that in the 1990s, and now they are just basically. Um, I mean, I'm not saying they were great back then. I mean, that was one of the things that Reagan and I tried to do in the 80s and early 90s was come up with some criteria for 
for single issue campaigns that made them more meaningful. Um, but you know, so I'm not saying they were great in the 70s and 80s. They weren't, but at least they were at least to some degree part of a an, an explicit part of a strategy. Whereas they're no longer part of a strategy. There are things that are, fo- you know, that we, we focus on them in themselves. And indeed, they're often defended as being inherently worthy. And, um, you know, so for example, um, you know, campaigns against the, the eating of dogs or, or foie gras or fur or things like that. These are campaigns which are viewed as being, having some sort of inherent value and you know, and where they don't, I mean, there, there, there's no difference between eating a dog and eating a chicken. There's no difference between fur and any other animal product used for clothing. There's no difference between foie gras and any other animal, animal products. I mean, and you see this all the time, you know, the, this kid, this woman, um, uh, Tess, whatever, Tess Thompson Tally or whatever her name is. Um, I know it has, there are a number of T's in her name. Um, but, she shot a giraffe and everybody's going crazy about that and very, very upset about, it. you know, what she did was wrong, but what's the difference between a giraffe and a chicken? And, and, you know, uh, and, and so these, these single issue campaigns, which are presented as having some sort of inherent value are really, I think, problematic and counterproductive. And, and I pointed out to Richard that, you know, since they got the so-called hunting ban in Britain, they actually have more hunts and more foxes are being killed. Um, I mean, it doesn't, you know, the problem with these things is they're never enforced, number one. Number two, they always have a number of exceptions that make them useless. So, for example, with the fox hunting ban, supposed ban in Britain, it's not really a ban at all. It's uh, on fox hunting. It's a ban on using dogs to, to hunt foxes. But dogs can still flush foxes out and you can shoot them and you can still kill, you can still shoot foxes, you can still... Um, hunt them with birds of prey and things like that. Um, you just can't use, you know, packs of dogs to actually rip the foxes apart. Um, and and but still, you know, but but but, you know, there are still a lot of hunts going on. And as a matter of fact, um, BBC reported a few years ago that there were more hunts now than there were before the the supposed ban but um well, well now that hunting, it was now that hunting is banned we can go hunt right it's like exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and so so it's sort of it was sort of interesting because richard and i were richard was sort of in my judgment sort of um uh stuck in a in a in a time when these these campaigns had sort of a different political meaning or at least for some people they did now they have no meaning. They did, no did he feel that any all. of did he feel that any of them were successful? I mean, did he was he? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I think he I think he thought I think he thought that um, yeah, I mean, I think he thought that um, they were that all of them were successful in terms of raising consciousness. I think that's a fair characterization of his position. I think, mm-hmm. uh, but but it was it was it was interesting because I'm very fond of Richard. Uh, I. Re- I really like him very much. I've known him for a number of years, and um, he and I debated vivisectors at Oxford University in 1990. Go, we go back. We go back a ways. He and I, and um, and and um, and I like Richard a lot. He's a really nice guy. Um, but you know, 
he just sees no, you know, like he was talking about how, well, you know, he was dealing with various political people who were supporting this, that, or the other thing, and they would discuss it with him while they were eating steak. And I said, well, that's the whole problem. You know, that's the whole problem. That, you know, that these things basically become useless and meaningless because they have no real moral context. So even if they're part of a political program, which they're not really anymore, but even if they were at one point part of, allegedly part of a political program, it wasn't a really very clearly focused political program. And, and to the extent that, that people in government were willing to support these campaigns while they were eating their steaks indicated that they didn't really understand what the meaning of these campaigns uh, was. But it was sort of, it was in, in, interesting. I mean, it was interesting. I, 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 I've, you know, I spoke at another conference with Richard a couple of years ago in Britain. And, um, and, you know, he and I just have a very different way of looking at things. I mean, you know, really very, uh, a markedly different way of looking at things. He's on the, he's on the, I don't know if he is anymore, but he was, he used to be on the board. I think he still is on the board of the RSPCA, which I despise. I think is a dreadful organization. I think it's an absolute dreadful organization and um and you know he's a I, I think he's still on the board of the rspca he certainly has been in the past and um and so um you know uh but but you know he's a i like richard he's a nice guy uh and he certainly is one of the few people who's been around for a long time he's, he's one of the few people who's around longer than i've been around but when well, he's well, talking- it seems that it seems that we can we can learn a little bit from you know, recent history in the sense that, well, even like in San Francisco, even if we supported a foie gras ban, we found out that, well, then restaurants would get around it by charging $20 for a cracker and still right. serving foie gras. Or right. or nobody would enforce it. Like people would say, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go, you know, nobody would enforce it. And then it gets overturned. So what's detrimental is that it, it, it's also such a waste of time. We put all this energy into something where we think we have a victory and, and we don't. It's like such a distraction. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. And, you know, I mean, these things don't work. And and um, can I you know, and, can, and, can I coin a frame since uh, uh, coin a term since um, apparently I'm not able to do speciesism. Somebody already did that. But, yes. Um, I've been looking, you know, especially at DXC, and I'm thinking it's all distractivism. Distractivism. How's that? How's that? As the kind of activism that it is. Um, and uh, I'm looking at uh, how Glenn Greenwald is. Uh, uh, I think uh, being misled by uh, DXE action, and uh, it's all—it all seems to be distractivism to me. So yeah, well, I mean, it—it it, it is. I think I think most of these. You don't most... love that term like you love speciesism. You don't think. <laughs> um, distractivism. Well, you think about it. Yeah, I mean. Distraction um, plus activism. Distraction plus activism equal. Distractivism. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I. That's a clever. Uh, I'm glad you coined that. That's clever, and it's, it's. I, I guess it has. It's, it's catchier than, um, what I would say, which is either nonsense or just complete bullshit. But, um, but I. 
I like the distractivism. You know, um, I, I'm better than those. No, no, I, 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 understand, I understand that. I understand that, and I, 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 I feel your enthusiasm. But, um, but I think you know. Look, I think that um, there's a lot uh, that we can. You know, there's a lot that that um, these organizations, whether it's DXE or Anonymous for the Voiceless or whatever. Uh, apparently, DXE. Um, some people would like to have a DXE booth at. Uh, L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. Hmm. I, I hope you're not not allowing that. <laughs> I, I I couldn't possibly do all this work and then have people led to that kind of uh, distractivism. Um, I yeah. must say. I mean, I I think all this stuff is nonsense. Whether it's you know going in in you know yelling, it's not food, it's violence, while you're busy promoting all sorts of reactionary ideas, or whether you're standing in a cube. Um, showing slaughterhouse videos and 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 you know promoting problematic positions. Um, you know, D- DXE is getting a lot of attention, and um, it had been my attention, by the way, to already have recorded like a you know like a pretty substantial critique of um, Democracy Now coverage with Glenn Greenwald of DXE actions and. Um, but I will I will record that later, and people will have already heard that on this show. Uh, it's amazing how we can be time travelers that this way. But you, you have Glenn Greenwald walking with Wayne Shun, and um, Wayne is saying, "Well, you know, it's come down to there's only one thing left to do." And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, "Come on, Wayne, say go vegan. Say you can do it. Say go vegan." And he said. You know, take direct action, which to them was uh, going um, and, uh, as as Glenn Greenwald said, uh, symbolically rescuing a chicken, um, but uh, never, never to mention vegan anywhere ever in, in this whole piece on Democracy Now. You know. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm really I'm disappointed with Amy Goodman because she really should know better. Um, you know, she, she's not she's an intelligent woman. Um, and you know, years ago, I, I haven't spoken to her in ages, but, um, I did, uh, know her at one point and I did used to have a show on WBAI. Uh, and now at the time that I had my show, she had some problems with the, the management of BAI. And so she was broadcasting from a different location, but I, I did, I mean, there were times when I, be, before that her falling out happened, when I did um, went into her at the studio and we did talk and she's an intelligent woman. I'm surprised she's being taken in by this nonsense. But um, I think when people know, are not vegan themselves, it's very easy to say, oh, th- this is animal rights. They, they march, they get arrested. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, and I think I think people say, well, you know, it's great to have this this. Um, this this uh, domination, you know. This uh, I'm sorry, Dom. This uh, 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 um, it, it, it's good to have this activism. When I think, in many ways, it's um, it's not active. I mean, look, they don't don't think that going vegan is activist. I think it's the most activist thing that anybody can do. I agree and, with you there. I, and and I think you know and but, I, but they and, call it some consumer issue or something you know they, well I mean I, I say I don't even un, I don't even understand that and I I, I don't think Wayne understands that and you know I've I've um 
you know, Wayne has written stuff about how, well, you know, the 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 boycotts of cotton, slave picked cotton, um, was was counterproductive or in some people's views counterproductive to abolition. And the answer is, but you can't analogize. Um, you can't analogize slave-picked cotton um, to the extent that that boycotts did, in fact, create problems. And I'm not sure, you know, I, I I'm not exactly sure what his position is on that. But um, but but what you're talking about when you're talking about not consuming animal products is you're not you're not you're not cons you're not consuming the animals themselves. The analogy would be. If you want to abolish slavery, if people boycotted purchasing slaves, if there was a if there was a a boycott on the use and purchase of slaves, it would have abolished slavery. And so so that's the analogy. And I think Wayne misses that completely. But but, you know, there's this idea there's this idea that um, that uh, we can change. You know, it's like, well, you know. Activism is going and chaining yourself to the slaughterhouse doors, and the answer is, well, you know, look, as long as people are demanding the products of slaughterhouses, you can shut 10 of them down right now, and 10 more will, you know, uh, uh, pop up, or, or 10 existing ones will in increase production capacity. So, you know, it's sort of crazy. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And, well, you know, and you know, speciesism, you... speciesism is really the uh, oppression that's still acceptable to progressives like uh, Democracy Now! and Amy Goodman, uh, KPFK, KPFA. Um, I've managed to have little segments on KPFA in the Bay Area, and it's that the people who are there themselves aren't vegan, so they don't really consider it you know the importance of the issue so you know they're they 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 don't embrace vegan activism i mean i would imagine you or i could have uh, been on uh, democracy now with a be better form of uh, animal activism and you know better uh you know, characterization of of everything going on because that you know glenn greenwald it, 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 it's like he's embedded and uh like like uh, the tr like like the media were embedded with uh, the the uh, troops in iraq you know he's not looking at things uh critically here and and in fact well, you know when, when he glenn greenwald says something to the effect of well no, no matter how you feel about slaughtering animals da 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 da, da, da well well that starts off from a pretty species his place like where he's going next right no matter how you feel about killing you know iraqi children or no matter how you know but with speciesism you're allowed to say no matter how you feel about killing them isn't it terrible that this happens to them along the way or something you know yeah i mean i i think i think that um i don't know what glenn greenwald thinks or what amy goodman thinks on this particular issue but i think a lot of these political progressives buy into this idea um which is absurd that promoting veganism is somehow culturally you know is 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 neo-colonialism or some nonsense like that because you see you know i, I as i said i don't know if amy believes that and i don't know greenwald at all never met him but um i i don't know if he thinks that so so that it becomes basically this vague sort of well we ought to be nice to animals and it becomes really sort of an anti factory farming position yes. and not really you know that that's really what it sort of boils down to it and and it's it, it becomes a 
it becomes an anti-factory farming position and it gets smushed into all the environmental stuff. And, um, and, and, um, you know, and so I, I think there's a lot of unclear thinking. And I also think, frankly, um, I, I think with, with people like Amy, the non-corporate media, I agree with you completely. It's like, you know, I have no idea whether she's vegan. I, 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 I don't, I don't think she is. I, I don't think she is either, but she, at least she wasn't when I knew her, but that was a long time ago. You know, you know, when somebody's vegan, um, you, you find out about it pretty quickly. Like, uh, he or yeah. she, uh, he or she talks about it. Like, like he yeah. might mention it, you know, like, yeah. she, like and, she might mention it. So. Yeah. And so I, I don't, I mean, as I say, she wasn't when I knew her back when I was living in, in, in Manhattan and spending a lot of time at BAI. Um, rumored to be vegetarian, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, she to... may be. I mean, she may be. I, I, I just don't know, and I don't know anything about Greenwald. But, um, but you know, I, I expect these people aren't vegans. They don't really think very clearly about this stuff, and you know, and they're attracted to this idea that well, you know, we've got to have activism. Well, the bottom line is, is you know, you want to slide the sh- shut the slaughterhouse. You shut the slaughterhouse by getting people. Well, to stop demanding the products of the slaughterhouse. And that's not consumerism. That's just basically not participating in animal exploitation. Wayne really just doesn't understand that. Either he doesn't understand or doesn't want to understand it. And and so I think that, you know, there's a certain there's a certain, you know, sort of sort of person who gets attracted to that, but I think um, there's a general uh, 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 the and 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 there's some idea that promoting veganism is is you know, and and you you see this all the time with a lot of these, you know these supposed intersectionalists. Intersectionalism, which is a very interesting and wonderful concept that uh, a a law professor named Kim Crenshaw formulated years ago, when which she was trying to describe overlapping discrimination, the fact that a black woman is subject to discrimination. You know, in her workplace, both because she's a person of color and because she's a woman, and, and that seems to be an extremely interesting, valuable, and 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 clearly true <laughs> position. Um, and and so I, you know, I, but but what intersectionalism has come to mean with a lot of modern activists is a confused sort of form of relativism, where well, if you take certain positions. Certain certain baseline moral positions are objectionable because they're neo-colonial or because they're racist. I mean, you know, you, you hear. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I actually wrote about this. This idea that, well, if you say that everyone's got an obligation to go vegan, and you include people of color who are poor, then you're being racist. Well, that's just nonsense. That is that is like saying, well, you know, people of color who are poor have a rough life, which they do. Both because they're poor and be, well, they're they're because they get discrimination. It's an intersectional problem. They get discrimination because they're people of color and because they're poor. So they have a really rough, no doubt about that. But you know, no one would say, well, you know, um, if they kill other people uh, because they've got it rough and they've got to, you know, they've got to get money, so it's all right if they engage in armed robbery and kill somebody. Nobody would say that. But when it comes to animals, because these folks are all speciesists, they say things like, "Well, you know, if people kill animals, well, then, you know, and you think and you think that that's morally wrong. Yeah, you're just a racist." And that's just that's just, you know, I mean, I understand people have this indefatigable urge to want to appear hip, but that's just reactionary nonsense, and it's speciesist nonsense. And and um, and so I think you know, there's a certain a certain thinking in that respect. There, you know, there, there's a certain 
uh, uh, thinking along those lines. But but I also think well, that maybe um, I also think that uh, you know, like the USDA uh, dietary guidelines are are racist uh, themselves. Why why can't well, I look at look, why can't I, I look at it I, that I, way I, when I, we're shoving I, cheese I, down everyone's throat? You know? I I agree I agree completely that um, you know that not my view is not promoting veganism raises issues about racism because we basically um, in a variety of ways force um, we force uh, poor people to eat a lot of crap because right we force you know, them into heart disease cancer stroke right, diabetes right. obesity it's a way actually you know the, the sort of food I mean you know I, I teach in Newark Newark you know you, you can you can buy cell phones cigarettes liquor and drugs any place in Newark um, but it's hard to find healthy food now it's it's becoming easier because the Whole Foods just open right smack in the middle of Newark which is great um, and and there's also like a lot of themes going on where kid you know young people uh, this is you know you want to talk about young people doing something progressive and hip I think it's great they're like they're like producing organic vegetables in in like Buildings that you know that in vertical vertical mm -hmm. things, um, you know, and they're really clever, clever, clever people, and they're they're doing that. You know, they have, you know, I I I always buy, I try to buy my vegetables whenever I see their stand uh, set up, and um, and they're doing it organically, and they're doing it, you know, in buildings with, you know, with within their, you know, it's just it's really great what they're doing, but. We, you know, so we need to be focused on the problem of you know poor urban areas and making healthy food more readily available. And um, but you know, but in, in, you know, we've got to sort of change it so that you know a person who lives in Newark doesn't sort of think that the only thing they can eat is you know one of the you know forty thousand million fast food options that are presented them to themselves every block. I mean, really, it's appalling. I mean, you know, it's really appalling. It's fast food, cigarettes, alcohol. And then, you know, there's drugs being being sold on the street. It's horrible what we do to poor people. Mm -hmm. But um, but this you idea... Know, I, I had a, a cab driver. This is a few years ago when I went back to New York and flew there with Daisy uh, for the climate march. But the, the cab driver... Um, we were going along and, you know, I was talking to him about being vegan and health benefits. And he said, well, what do you mean? No, black people always get high blood have high blood pressure. I mean, that's just black people just have high blood pressure. And I said, well, you know, what are you eating? You know, and it was driving the cab back and forth. It was KFC. It was McDonald's, Burger King, all of that, you know, and he, he just didn't associate uh, the food he was eating to his he his health condition, to him it was just you know black people have high blood pressure. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and like it's like it's a genetic thing, you know. Right. And um, uh, which is really appalling, you know. It's really it's really. Well, well I felt that way with my, with my family. My my father, all his brothers and sisters had heart disease. I thought, well, heart disease runs in the family. But look at what they're eating. They're they're, they're putting chicken fat on bread. You know, what I mean, it's just so disgusting. Um, no wonder he lived to, to be 47 with what they were eating, you know. So it, it wasn't really the gene, you know, the genes and the family, you know. It's like what was on the plate, what everybody was eating, you know. I mean, I I also think that there is a, 
I think with with respect to the traditional media, I'm not talking about Amy Goodman or Glenn Greenwald or whatever. I'm talking about, you know, the conventional media. They always, it seems, they have, you know, they they really sort of focus on having the the people be spokespeople who are um, who are the the people who really shouldn't be spokespeople. Um, and but I understand that, but that in itself is a problem because what ends up happening is. You know, um, they want to portray veganism as uh, a position articulated by uh, peculiar people and people that no one can identify with. And there are a number of those people uh, who are, you know, these supposed celebrity vegans, these these um, these people who, you know, have their Patreon accounts and their GoFundMe things. And they they want, you know, they they expect the um, the movement to give them money so that they can travel around the world and talk about veganism. And, um, you know, there's several of these people and they're fairly, you know, they're, they're, they're visible. Um, and, um, and, you know, they're all, they're all gimmick masters basically. Uh, and, and, um, and I don't really think any of them knows what the hell they're talking about. I mean, it's a, you know, um, uh, I, I don't really think they understand, um, very much, and, um, and because because they go where? What are you hearing that's that's wrong for uh, they? What are they uh, presenting? That's well, they 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 don't. I mean, um, they use abol. You know, they all claim to be abolitionists, but they're you know they they're uh, one of them, for example. And I, I really don't want to get into specifics, but you know, one of these people is you know promoting welfare groups and um, very very clearly uh, uh, promoting welfare groups and 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 promoting people who take anti-vegan positions while he's saying that he's an abolitionist and he's a vegan and that sort of thing so it's just you know it's more of the it's more of the same confusion mm-hmm. and um, you know and also you know they're into you know some of these people are into this macho you know uh, you know they're they're just they're not good spokespeople there are you know um, there are there are some really good folks out there. Um, wherever you are, you know, whatever country you're in, there are people who are articulate people who can talk about veganism and talk about it in a in a in a rational way, and you know, aren't part of the you know aren't part of the Patreon you know crowd of of you know of people who are looking to make a living off of this and who basically are into a lot of gimmicks and um, you know as I say in some cases into this macho nonsense um, and, and, and by the way of course I have a Patreon account and my latest gimmick is LA Reggae Vegan Fest so <laughs> well I mean I, I, Bob at least you're put at least you're doing you're you're actually putting on an event and you're not asking people um, to give you money at least i don't believe you are asking people to give you money so that you can travel to you know hawaii or whatever and and you well, know well you know that that may be the next place for an for for, for a maui uh, reggae vegan fest wouldn't you wouldn't you like to speak well, and, there and jerry it's fine i guess then yeah, then, <laughs> then then you know oh um, and, and and by but, the way you, you remember we we had our discussion of uh you know what what we were going to do with the vendors and you know came to some conclusions that it would be uh, vegan product lines or hundred or, or or vegan companies or 
um, 100% vegan restaurants, and I've actually had to turn some people away um, because of our uh, <laughs> our purity. Oh, Bob, stop being so pure. Be pragmatic. Uh, but um, we have attracted um, initially some really great 100% vegan restaurants for food there. So um, and so, I would just like to uh, thank, uh, for example, the Vegan Joint. Um, which is uh, in West L.A., L.A., and Woodland Hills, and that's going to be great Asian food from Noi, whom I know for, for many years, when she only had one little restaurant there in West L.A. Um, I lived in Palms there for a while. Then we have Rahel's, which is uh, Ethiopian cuisine, which uh, she's uh, Rahel's in Los Angeles. We have uh, Ikeliqua, uh, Cuban vegan cafe participating in this. We have Flaco's Mexican restaurant coming all the way from Berkeley, um, and uh, we have uh, we have. Uh, let me see here. We have Indian food from uh, Pudas um, Indian cuisine. Um, let's see. We have. Uh, we have, uh, oh yeah, in a very popular at, at vegan events, we have Southern Fried Vegan for um, the American comfort food and uh, and others joining us. So it's a it's a pretty good start and it's a a, a great menu of international vegan food that we'll uh, we'll be having and and many more to come. These are just the initial people who are joining us and on the menu. Well, that sounds very exciting, Bob, and I—that I, I, sounds very exciting. And um, uh, you know, I, I think this weekend there was the Vegandale Festival in um, in Chicago, and I'm excited about about the emergence of of that sort of series of festivals because those people are unequivocally vegan uh, they don't mess around i mean they're very clearly vegan they're abolitionist vegan people who who run the vegan dale operation and as a matter of fact i think you met one of them at the last uh world vegan summit um and um evil evil lampert who came uh to the world vegan summit she's part of the vegan dale uh, group, um, uh, you know, the and, and very very clearly abolitionist vegans. They don't um, they don't present a confused message. They're they're very clear, and um, and so um, you know. I, I, I but but you know. So I think that the, you know that 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 that's those are those are all really sort of good um, uh, uh, developments. But you know, it's unfortunate. You know that. Oh, and of course, uh, you will be there speaking along with. Uh others and we have a yeah. great a great lineup of reggae performers so uh people are really excited about it i just got an email from someone who said uh, i've been a reggae fan for 25 years and my daughter is vegan so i'm somewhat interested in this event you know it's like uh, it's just uh combining yeah the, i mean i think a lot of a lot of people don't realize that many not 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 everyone but many rastafarians um, are, are vegans. Are vegans, yes. Yeah, are vegans on, on for ethical reasons. I mean, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, they really have a very, I think, a very, uh, I've spoken with a lot of Rastafarians in, in my, my life um, about their ethical views on veganism, and I find them really very inspiring. Very, and, very much so, and, and many of our performers are vegan um, and very outspoken on being vegan, and it's even in their music, like Maccabee, 
and uh, Bushman, who have great songs that are related to uh, to being vegan. Um, I hear Sister Carol is vegan. Members of uh, the uh, the uh, Simkin Project, Lamour, and the Mystic uh, Band. So. Uh, we have uh, many vegans who are there and many people uh, who, who, who will come loving reggae music and will leave being vegans who love reggae music. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's I think it's terrific. And I'm very I'm very I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that sort of thing is good. I mean, you know, that, that that's the sort of thing that, you know, I, I mean, those, those are the sorts of events. I'm happy to support in terms of my, you know, my time and, and, uh, you know, it's not, uh, uh, you know, got to fly out to Los Angeles and, um, uh, and people don't understand that, that those sorts of sorts of events, um, you don't have a budget for travel. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, we all do it as, as, as support for, for, you know, uh, this event. Well, we want to see, we want to see a vegan world and, on that particular day, we uh, create one at uh, Woodley Park in Van Nuys. It becomes a vegan world, and you know it's like building a city from scratch that day. That happens to be a vegan city with the uh, you know all the uh, interpersonal action. Everything is you know vegan. Good vibrations. The food. The entertainment. The uh, discussions. Mind blowing speakers. Just all of it is. Uh, the way uh, it would be nice to be uh, everywhere, but the, we'll, we'll we'll start with Woodley Park. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I'm really looking forward to it. But but you know, as I, as I say, you know, we we have a lot of work to do. We have to try. I mean, look, I understand why the media is attracted to some of these um, gimmick people uh, because the media is controlled by corporate animal exploiters and they have a desire to portray veganism in in as bad a light as possible and unfortunately a lot of animal people are right there to provide the, the you know, and, and, and maybe maybe even democracy now wants to portray uh, animal people I, I don't you know I I, I think I, I don't know I think I mean with the with the with the non with the conventional media, I think it's quite easy. I, I understand exactly. I think it's really quite simple why they they gravitate. They always have. And this was this was the argument I had with PETA in the late '80s and early '90s about the sexism business was that well, PETA thought that it would get media attention, which it would, but it would get media attention because the media would trivialize us and make us look silly with these with these these sexist you know, uh, uh, campaigns. So yeah, you know, media, media likes, you know, particularly if it's a, if it's a, a, a truly radical cause, media wants it, wants to make it appear to be silly, which they've been doing. For and and a the media want a good visual of that. So right. uh, the DXE having one of its demonstrators lying in um, a pile of excrement, uh, certainly, you know, I mean. <laughs> Doesn't really ref reflect well on us, but look at the pictures we have here. You know? Yeah, I know, but it, but it all, but it it it's it's sensational pictures, but uh, uh, in, in, but it's also it also serves the purpose of marginalizing us and making us look stupid. Mm -hmm. 
and um, and making us look silly. So so some Make- some years ago, Gary, I, I was um, uh, I was a guest a few times on the morning show on KPFK, and people you know people were saying, oh, give that guy a show, whatever you know. So I, I was in serious negotiations for a vegan show on KPFK, and um, the person who hosted uh, it was a weekly Mideast program said, you know, we, we can't have a vegan show. That's like, uh, it's like having a religion on, you know? I mean, we, we can't, that's, that's, it's like putting a religion on, you know, that was. Yeah, the, no, no, I, 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 I understand that. And I've gotten that, um, you know, I had, I had a show on WBAI in New York, but it wasn't a vegan show. I talked about, you know, I mentioned veganism when I could, but I bet it was a political show. And I talked about, I talked about, you know, political issues and, you know, and, and to the extent that I, you know, I mean, I, I, there were people at the station who believed that veganism was, you know, it was elitist and it was, you know, neo-colonial and it was this and it was that. And, and, you know, but these are people who aren't vegans who are trying to figure out sort of a reason why they're not vegan. So they come up with the, you know, the, the, the mantras of, you know, why, how they dismiss everything. And, you know, so, oh, well, you know, this is elitist and this is, this is, you know, neo-colonial and this is that, da 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 Yeah, but, 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 yeah, but, but your diet is violent. You know what I mean? It's like, that should be one of the bases of, being at a progressive media outlet that you're against violence yeah but Bob, against- Bob, if you if, if you believe tradition if you if you if your starting point is animals don't matter that much morally but cultural traditions do then mm-hmm. you come out a different place on this and I, I you know look I, I don't doubt that to some degree the alternative media also has a desire to make us look silly but I think think uh, and so they gravitate to dxe or anonymous for the voiceless or those people whatever but i i also think though that um that their motivation is different it comes from the fact that they're not vegans so having somebody on who's talking about activism which they like but who isn't going to talk about veganism because they don't at least the dxe people don't um, is appealing to them, but I do think that's different from the conventional media, where they have a vested financial interest in in portraying us as as silly people and and in 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 denigrating the movement, which they do, you know, which which we've got a bunch of people out there who are just more than happy to do that, and more than happy to sort of you know show up and do the you know the macho aggressive you know, uh, uh, nonsense and, and, and who don't really know what the hell they're talking about. And some of these people haven't even been vegans all that terribly long. So, you know, it's a, um, it's a, it's difficult, but I am going to have to leave you now because I have got to, I don't know if you heard, but Anna is keeping the dogs. It's, it's, it's almost, it's very hot here. It's unbelievably hot, uh, on the East coast. And, um, and and so we are uh, in the house. We we very rarely use the air conditioner, but we're using it today because I'm afraid that you know the dogs are are, are even though we have the air conditioner on, the dogs have been very very hot. 
and um, and so she's keeping them in the other, but they're barking because they're hungry. So I'm going to go. Oh, feed and them. and you know, it uh, time seems to fly. It seems like we were just complaining about fireworks and firecrackers people set off in the neighborhoods that are so upsetting to dogs, yep. cats, birds, and all. We, you know, and uh, here we are again. I don't know, time flies, but Daisy's very upset these last few nights. And it's been pretty hot here, too, but uh, there's just no no consoling her. And it's just so upsetting that, you know, people are just so inconsiderate as to make loud noises that have to upset everyone. And they should know upset, like, all dogs. You know, there, there are products on the market. I saw one called, like, 3rd of July, you know, some calming you know, I'm not endorsing it. I don't even know what's in it, but I saw it. And it's like, it's that bad around the 4th of July where, you know, everybody is uh, is upset. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I guess uh, I'm just complaining because I guess people won't stop doing it. And there'll be more tonight and more the next night. And she just, you know, there's no consoling her. And it's just really it's, it's so dreadful. inconsiderate. One, one, of our, one of our dogs gets very upset. Um uh, in this group of our, in this group, um, it, we have one dog. We've had other, we've had other groups of dogs where more than one dog has been upset by it. this group. Our retriever George gets very, very upset about about um, fireworks, and it's really sad that we live in a world where people find loud noises to be some somehow inherently satisfying. I, mean, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. On know? some level, they find loud noises to be meaningful. It gives, it gives their lives meaning to have loud noises. Um, and, um, and it's sad, but, um, but yeah, no, we've had it. We had it, uh, we had it Friday night. We had it uh, last night. We'll have it tonight. And, um, I bought him a thunder shirt. Uh, which, how does that seem to work? Or does well, it? you know, it it seems to be marginally better. But it's also if I sort of like sit on the floor with him and hold him, right? That makes him calm a little bit calmer anyway. So it's sort of like the the thunder shirt. You know, I mean, I guess if you have a dog who's perpetually anxious and you can't walk around holding the dog all the time, a thunder shirt is, you know. But I, I think it actually works better if I'm with him and I'm petting him and I'm holding him and I'm reassuring him. Um, and, um, you know, so it, is, who knows? Isn't it but, uh, tight and restrictive uh, at all? I mean, because I, I, I talked to somebody about it yesterday. I was considering it and then I... Um, I passed. Actually, I didn't. Think. Well, it's it's supposed to give them the, I guess, sensation of being hugged. Well, um, I'm I'm willing you know, to, and, I'm willing and, to hug her through the whole thing, but she's still. Yeah, I know she's stays. a small she's a small dog. You walk around holding her anyway all the time, right? Um, <laughs> and um, so, I mean, you know, I, I I I don't I don't think it. You know, I mean, really, it's easy with her because. She weighs what five pounds? How much does seven, Daisy weigh? Seven she pounds. Weighs, she weighs seven pounds. Gee, um, you know George is a little. He's our largest dog. He's a golden retriever, and so you know I can't pick him up and hold him, but I can sit on the floor with him, and I can sort of, you know, um, uh, I, I I actually I bought a book on sort of. Uh, touching, how, how, how you know, like calming pets and things like that, um, and um, and and I bought that to to try to sort of communicate better with George, and it does work. You know, there are certain sorts of petting um, that uh, that that does seem to calm them more than other, you know, than than just sort of 
normal petting. Um, and uh, but you know, I, I you know, it, this is just such a bad time of year. But you know, as I say, it's I, I feel bad for the dogs. I feel bad for the deer because it scares the hell out of the deer. And um, you know, it scares the hell out of all yeah, birds. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it scares it scares the hell out of all yeah. of them. You know, because. You know, and I and I also, as I said, I feel sad that I live. You know, I feel I feel bad that, and I feel sad that that many members of my own species find loud noises to be meaningful. And so, you know, but that is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm now going to go uh, cook the whole wheat pasta that I will add to the evolution kibble and the the uh, Brussels sprouts. My dogs eat. They love Brussels. I like Brussels sprouts too, but they they love Brussels sprouts, and so I go and I load up and get tons of Brussels sprouts every week, and um, they like Brussels sprouts, and um, and Delicious so I make to Brussels, me too. So yeah, yeah. I make Brussels sprouts and and add some tofu or you know some some um, you know yeast that's formulated for dogs. You know nutri- you know cheese. Mm-hmm. The cheese flavor, you know, the, the right. cheesy nutritional yeast, yeast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to run off, but um, I'm now back. I'm not planning to go anywhere um, for the next few weeks. So hopefully, okay. We can, so maybe we'll we'll get disciplined and do a a, a weekly show again. Yes, I, indeed. Been, let's I, let's talk next weekend. I've I'll been be I've been a little distracted too. I'm 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 signing contracts with musical performers and ordering portable toilets. You know the kinds of things that one does when uh, <laughs> putting an event together. Together. So, uh, but yeah, so we'll uh, we'll talk again next week and keep on keeping on. Thank you, Bob. You too. Right. Thank, Thank you. you. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Say hi to Anna. I will. Bye bye. Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com on Twitter at GoVeganRadio Facebook GoVeganRadio with Bob Linden and LAReggaeVeganFest.com Check it out. Get your early bird tickets. Time is running out. Last chance for early bird tickets. $40 for, for the most amazing reggae lineup in the history of the universe. Um, fantastic food. Mind-blowing speakers. Go to the website you can buy your tickets there. You can become a vendor, a sponsor, or a volunteer. That's L.A. Reggae Veganfest.com. So, um, looks like Antarctica has lost 3 trillion tons of ice in the past 25 years, according to an article in Live Science. Uh, and that ice loss has accelerated rapidly over the last five years. Could this be climate change? Um, it says, in a new study, the most comprehensive to date of the continent's icy status, an international group of 84 researchers analyzed data from multiple satellite surveys from 1992 to 2017. They discovered that Antarctica is currently losing ice about three times faster than it did until 2012 climbing to a rate of more than 241 billion tons uh, or 
219 billion metric tons per year. Uh, total ice loss during the 25-year period contributed to sea level rise of about 0.3 inches, around 8 millimeters, approximately 40% of which, about 0.1 inches or 3 millimeters, happened in the past five years. So, um, if we're concerned about uh, island nations, right? Island nations could disappear. Well, we're talking about uh, a major submersion uh, in the not-too-distant future, including all around the United States, much of California, the East Coast. You know, I mean, it's just... And it's, and it's all because people eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. I mean, let's face it, that's the main cause of climate change, animal agriculture, responsible for at least 51% of all human-generated greenhouse gas emissions. And that comes from a report from Goodland and Anhang, um, who tell us that the only solution for climate change is a massive population shift to vegan. Too bad we don't hear that from the distractivists of DXE who are out running around um, leading us nowhere, leading us to no solutions when the only solution is we all have to go vegan. I mean, that solves, solves a lot. So, solves practically everything when you come right down to it. I mean, it would be nice to, to solve climate change and deforestation and resource depletion, wouldn't it? Water usage. Um, hunger, disease, poverty. Um, it would be nice. Nice to address those. Uh, and you do that by going vegan, not uh, taking direct action and going into a facility and symbolically taking a chicken and then facing 60 years in prison. Um that doesn't really help the animals that much, and DXE is a complete distraction. Um, so disappointing. Um, Wayne Shun, want to come on the show again? I know you have a lot of legal problems, so maybe there's there's no time, but I do recommend you uh, go to episode 615. Interesting discussion there. We have to go vegan. We all have to go vegan. And if we do it with reggae music playing... All the more power to us, huh? So, uh, if you want to support a hot and sexy vegan fashion line, go to sonasdenim.com, S-O-N-A-S, denim.com. Uh, jeans are uniquely made with 50 patches of denim right here in sunny California. Um, and yoga, yoga pants, too. Denim for men and women. Sonasdenim.com, S-O-N-A-S, uh, like strawberry, onion, nut, apple, strawberry, sonasdenim.com. Uh, thanks for support from Vegetarian House Vegan Restaurant in San Jose, one of our most uh, ardent, fervent supporters over the years, a 100% vegan restaurant, one of the best in the world. Go to vegetarianhouse.us or go to Vegetarian House at 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. Vegetarian House also caters, so uh, get in touch, vegetarianhouse.us. Uh, also, thanks for support from Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food. I remind you that if you're a new customer, you get 25% off your first order. Uh, if you uh, do a phone order on the first Wednesday of the month, 
at 800-659-0104. You get 20% off dry food, 10% off canned food. Uh, There are uh, special arrangements made for those experiencing financial difficulties. That number again, 800-659-0104. Um, recently, and, and I reported on this, that uh, the euthanizing drug given to dogs and cats is showing up in commercial so-called pet food. I note that Gravy Train was pulled off the shelves, uh, Kibbles and Bits, Old Roy. Um, apparently, you, you, you can't grind up dogs and cats and, and, and put them in, in the food without uh, the euthanizing agent uh, accompanying them. How gross. That is why Daisy gets evolution, and she loves it. So, um, oh, and I want to thank Victoria Hart, who's a great vegan artist for all her work helping us with L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, and she helped uh, design our wonderful logo, Everybody's in Love with Our Dreadlock Cow, and, uh, oh, the flyers, the posters, the postcards, uh, all thanks to Victoria Hart, she has a website. It's victoriahart.weebly.com. That's victoria, H-A-R-T dot W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. She does animal portraits. So realistic. You'll be amazed at the captured essence immortalizing the animals in your life. She uh, can uh, do artwork uh, featuring the beloved companion animals in your life. Uh, My Life Coloring Book, for example. Who wouldn't want their very own unique coloring book or coloring page showcasing the special animals in their life? You want that, right? You can go to mylifecoloringbook.weebly.com mylifecoloringbook.weebly.com or you can email Victoria... And you can email her. I believe I've been giving you the uh, the wrong email address for forever. So let me correct that now. It's victoriaahart at gmail.com. Don't listen to that guy in the radio who said that it was victoriahart at gmail.com. That would just bounce back, bounce back to you or go to somebody else who's not a vegan artist. So, again, the correct email address for Victoria is Victoria A. Hart. That's Victoria A. H-A-R-T at gmail.com. Well, I want to thank you for listening. I, uh, I need to go back to listening to Radio Bobby and calm down a little bit here, then get back to work on organizing L.A. Reggae Veganfest.com which is coming, I mean, it's, uh, where are we now? So it's around July 4th, August, September, October. Wow, that's only about three months away from now. So let's get it together. As I mentioned, last chance for early bird discount tickets. This is the lowest price they will ever be. So you might as well take advantage of that. $40. The ticket is just $40. No service charges on top of that. Parking is included. Kids 12 and under are free. And go to LAReggaeVeganFest.com. $40 for this lineup of of reggae superstars. $40 for the the mind-blowing speakers we have scheduled, the food, the the excitement, the activities. Hey, check it out. You know you you have to be there, right? You know you're going to want to be there. So get 
get your ticket prices, you know, get, get your tickets while the prices are the lowest they will be, save the money uh, and spend it with our vendors who are out at the event. You're going to have a great time with that. Okay. Well, again, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at goveganradio.com. Please make a tax-deductible donation to support our work. You can also do Patreon with us. And uh, what else? What else? Just, uh, you know, I, I hate asking for money, so uh, please send money. 